This episode of the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast has been sponsored by DreamWorks Animation. Are you ready for the highly anticipated culmination of one of the most popular animated franchises in film history? How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. What began as an unlikely friendship between an adolescent Viking and a fearsome Night Fury dragon has become an epic trilogy spanning their lives. In this next chapter, Hiccup and Toothless will finally discover their true destinies. The village chief as ruler of Burke alongside Astrid and the dragon as leader of his own kind. As both ascend the darkest threat they've yet faced, as well as the appearance of a female Night Fury, will test the bonds of their relationship like never before. Coming to a theater near you on February 21st, it's fun for the whole family. Be sure not to miss How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. Rated PG for adventure action and some mild rude humor. That was excruciating for both of us, I'm sure. No one wants what you just had to sit through. So let's keep the Quarter to Three movie podcast free of advertising and studio notes and corporate overlords who will censor what Kelly Wand can say. And you can help us by supporting our 2019 Make Us Watch Whatever You Want fundraiser, in which you pick the movie for our March 25th podcast. Donate just a dollar to paypal.me slash qt3, the letter Q, the letter T, the numeral 3, or to our usual email address. You can paypal to 3x3 at quarter3.com. And be sure to include in the comments for your donation what movie you're voting for. Or, of course, you can feel free to submit multiple votes with multiple dollars. We're happy to accommodate you. The deadline for voting is March 17th at midnight Pacific. We thank you for your support. Uh, and now for an ad-free podcast in which Kelly Wan can say whatever he wants. Welcome to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Border. My name is Tom Chick, and I am here with Christian Mariski. I'd like to be known as Long John Silver. <laughs> and with a Border tagline, we have Kelly Wand. Uh, pretty sure Swedes are just creatures of mythology. Uh... <laughs> uh, Kelly Wand, is there a tagline that doesn't have a uh in it? Yeah, I... And I was written into that tagline. So no, I no, I could say. tell. I could tell by the way you read it. Uh, it's like Shape of Water if they were both gross. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly on, keep them coming. I want one more. Dogs and lightning always hate the same people. <laughs> wow. There Shut up, fool. Surely there aren't four. Uh, I had others, but I... Put them into other parts of things. Oh, good. I think I know what that means. Well, Dingus, before we end up spoiling anything, (laughs) although Kelly Wan did kind of spoil the bit about dogs and lightning, tell us... Someone's got to understand. Good point. Good point. Tell the listeners what movie we're going to be talking about, but don't spoil anything, Dingus. Let Kelly Wan do that later. Yeah, that job's taken, Dingus. Like first man! All right. Are you just trolling us now? This week we Uh saw Border a 2018 Swedish drama fantasy romance movie about three tales as old as time, two removed. It was directed by Ali Abbasi 
and written by him, Isabel, I'm sorry, Isabella Elkoff and John Ivid Linkvist, based on the latter's short story, Granz, from his anthology, Let the Old Dreams Die. It stars Eva Melander, Iro Melanoff, Sven Lundgren, and Jorgen Torsen. Border is rated R for some sexual content, graphic nudity, a bloody violent image, and language. Kelly Wanda, are there any things missing from that list of reasons that the MPAA thought parents should maybe consider not bringing their children? MPAA, take heed. I've done your jobs for you again. <laughs> I would like to reiterate, I mean iterate, some scenes of missionary intercourse between monsters... Improper use of a refrigerator <laughs> and pervasive Swedish language throughout. <sighs> uh, Borders, so, yeah, one, be, be warned. But Borders, one of those movies where you can sort of tell the split between the critical audience and the the regular people audience on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, because anybody can log into Rotten Tomatoes, Tomatoes and give a movie a thumbs up or thumbs down, and the aggregate for that, uh, I think they call it the Audience Award on Rotten Tomatoes. 72% of the reviews are positive. Amongst actual reviews from people who do it professionally, 98% of the reviews are positive on Rotten Whoa. Tomatoes. On Wait, Metacritic... I'm sorry? What was the percentage? Uh, 98 is the Rotten Tomatoes yeah. rating. But if you look at what the audience award is, just random people logging in, it's at 72%. Also, I like this, when you said Rotten Tomatoes, like idiot earlier okay go on sorry uh speaking of that if this had been a cinema score like if this had been released and cinema score had pulled the audience on friday night it would have gotten a d minus mm. <laughs> uh on metacritic the average rating from various reviews is at 75 kelly Wan, that's enough math and i would like letters. you yeah i would like you to give us a grandsopsis mm, very nice I guess the minus makes the D math. Disregard what I say. What'd you ask for? A whatopsis? Uh, a synopsis of Granz would be called a Granzopsis. Oh, that's better than what it is. I'll just go with that. Yeah. Thank you. Sure. Granz, huh? What's that mean? Border? Uh, it's actually, or, uh, it translates variously as uh, border or limitation or limitate. division. Uh, it's, it's basically their word for like a frontier. Uh, if you type it, because I did this, if you type it into Google Translate, you can see uh, it can mean several things. Oh. Okay. Limitation? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. All right. Well, in the same way that a border in English, in the same way in English. A yeah, I think it works. Limitation. Right, yeah. and I thought it was like division as well, but I don't know. Yep, no, that's in there. Yep, that's definitely Yeah, okay. There. Yeah. Right. Right. All right, boardopsis. The kid... The kid from Basque leaves acting to become a girl and an airport security guard for Sweden. Oh, my God. Okay, here we go. Like, you Fuck didn't expect this, Dingus. Come on. Yeah, I know. I got I to write something, Dingus. <laughs> she listens to a ship do nothing. Then she notices a bug doing nothing on a plant, so she puts it on a bamboo pole. It gives us a confused look. The Swedish word's all portopsis. That's the Bond movie opening for it. The O has a diagonal line through it, and the B has an oblong. <laughs> <laughs> Board ups. 
You have to say the beads separately. You with cap! Four bottles of alcohol also with caps. Gary, go drink all this in our table room. <laughs> but I bought that. You may be old enough to buy illegal booze at airport, but not to carry it on plane. Swedish law, very specific. Get out of here, thank you. Wow. I don't know. I had to read subtitles, so that's how her voice sounded. You know, Swedish accent. <laughs> Tina celebrates her colleague's drunkenness by driving through some woods. <laughs> to my dismay, her radio's not playing ABBA. <laughs> when she gets home, she lives with Chris Elliott and his dogs. <laughs> Neeson! Liam Neeson! <laughs> the dogs say. Chris Elliott's all. Oh, sorry, I didn't think you'd be home until I was finished masturbating. Boy, Digby and Poo Poo sure don't like the smell of your troll makeup. Tina takes her socks off to walk around outside. The maid's all. Mm hmm. <laughs> yeah, they have a maid. She's from, uh, she's in all the movies, Dickens. Uh, yeah. yeah, Alita, Green Book. A wolf smells her feet and runs away whimpering. <laughs> to celebrate depressing a wolf, Tina makes some chocolate milk in class while Chris Elliott eats spaghetti. I haven't craved pasta so much since the bath scene in Gummo. <laughs> Man, on Swedish TV today, they were calling muscular dogs fighting dogs again. Oh, stupid adjective deciders. Tina chuckles dutifully like my ex-girlfriends and brushes her spaghetti. Although sounds like you already just answered her, she's all, So what did you do today? <laughs> He's all, what? He turns the magazine page. She lies in bed all night pondering this response. The next day, <laughs> Tina snarls and sniffs deplaning passengers. Finally... That guy, his phone battery smells like child porn. The guy giggles and tries to eat it. <laughs> Later, a Swedish old lady cop walks up to Tina. Good luck, Tina. This asshole's been eating phone batteries all over Reykjavik. We'll take it from here. Here, as a reward, you're working a double shift. Tina smells another customer's duffel bag. This guy looks like her. I laid over to Tom and go, I like you. I like this said development. Uh, that is larvae hatcher. Uh, you like that? Uh, larvae hatcher. Penis on. Oh, oh. To celebrate smelling a new appliance, she visits her dad in prison. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, I didn't recognize you immediately, Tina. You have such a universal look. Yeah, Alicia Vikander's your dad, Dingus. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Wasn't planned that way, it just kind of happened. Like Green Book. Only there were a baby. Oh, there is. There's a couple. Animatronics. 
they smoked some cigarettes together, Tina and her dad. Oh, things with Dog Magazine guy, Chris Elliott. Awesome, uh, when he eats spaghetti and I drink chocolate milk, uh, it's uh, nine and a half weeks. Uh. <laughs> Speaking oh. of, you have sex. Dad! <laughs> Later, while Chris Elliott plays with the Netch-a-Sketch on a couch beside her and watches chariot races on TV. Jeez, what year is this? Chariot TV, <laughs> Norse mythology. <laughs> Chariot races. What the fuck? Jesus Christ. How's that better than horse racing? Anyway. Hey, uh, Chris Elliott, I saw Dad today. Huh. The old fart. He still think I'm awesome? Uh, probably won't remember you in two weeks, so... Oh, I feel sorry for him. He must be really sick. I'm pretty memorable. Understandably, Tina goes outside. A moose shows up, and they watch the dog magazine guy watch TV inside. <laughs> Friday night in Sweden. <laughs> Tina meets the old woman cop in someone's kitchen. <laughs> Tina, how can you smell child porn on phone batteries? Uh, it's like something out of Scandinavian myth. I can just sense things like in Unbreakable, but nasal-themed. Uh, and then I just put two and two together, or in this case, one male child, and... Yeah, okay, thank you, Tina. <laughs> Beside me, Christoph Waltz is all. Tina's shirt in this scene is made out of gunnum. <laughs> <laughs> Sandra Bullock raises her finger. Gunnum. Oh. oh. Yeah, border. Tina comes home to find Chris Elliott talking to either himself or his magazine. She gets bored, then nude, and takes a bath in a river. John Krasinski and a kid scream at the sight. They're standing under a waterfall, so she doesn't hear them. I don't like my offices about this movie, so I'm going to wander around the hallways a little bit. Hi, Krasinski. That's me, not Tina. On a ferry, ERR, the larva guy scrapes a bunch of salmon slices onto his plate. A different old lady's all, Oh, excuse me, it's a buffet. Uh, is that food for everyone? This is an animal house. He laughs at her Swedish accent. Later, he shows up again at Tina's security checkpoint. He and Tina lick their lips at each other and start panting and grunting. Oh, yeah. Oh, Tina's bearded colleague, not Chris Elliott's all. Jesus, what kind of Swedish moot subgenre and movie is my character in? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> While Gary sticks his hand up Vor's ass, Tina sniffs his watch and smells his shirt. Then smells boars. <laughs> Finally, Gary emerges from an ass inspection room, scowling as he pulls off rubber gloves. Well, that happened. <laughs> Just once. Can I get a sylph? Damn it, Tina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that, Tom. That's pretty good. Seriously, he didn't have anything? Uh, pretty sure I smelled something fishy. Yeah, uh, he had a vagina, so you should have done it. I know that's more your thing. Oh, and a scar on his or her tailbone. <laughs>
later in the anal room, which is also a cabinet. <laughs> Sir, I owe you an apology. I should have been the one groping you. Uh, by the way, how, who are you? Uh, travel around, yeah. <laughs> Looking at insects? Yeah, and other stuff. Scalds, Valkyries, Norns. <laughs> Maggots taste better. You? Uh-huh. Hey, is the Eli Roth hostel any good? I might be staying there. Uh, it is very good, uh, concierge. Uh, my name is Bohr. It's German for sex worker. <laughs> Later. Dad, why do I have Ascar? Uh, you fell on a, a rock. Yeah. <laughs> You're naive enough to buy that. A non-ass-shaped rock. <laughs> yeah, that's a ticket. <laughs> gotcha. Oh, so because I'm hospital, I should remember unless I'm a Hispanic cyborg. Uh... Her dad shrugs, farting. When Tina gets home, she discovers that Chris Elliott is now married with a pregnant wife in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> Folds her arms. <laughs> Tina, she's in labor. Can you drive us? Tina sighs. Sometimes she wishes she was single again. On the way to the hospital, she stops to let a family of moose stare at them. <laughs> They've never seen a pregnant woman before. Elliot's genetics. Then she drops the deer and Elliot's off at the hospital and drives home alone. When she gets into bed that night, Chris Elliott climbs into bed with her. I guess pretty horny about being a new father. <laughs> How do you get home is my question. He rode a deer. Yeah. Really funny if the pregnant wife comes into the room too. Like, yeah, I want Tina. Ready? Here, I'll be the moose. She's all, nah, mocks, knocks him into the floor. Chrisette's all, man, used to be about the music. Storms off crying. A wolf or a fox outside Tina's window stares at her for a bit. Puzzled why she turned down sex with Chris Elliott. <laughs> Especially when he's at peak fertility. The next day, she goes to Eli Roth Hostel and watches Vore collect maggots for some tree bark. Here, I picked these for you. Oh, no thanks. Mmm. Mm. You can really taste the fly's ass it will grow into. Oh, God. Come on, try one. No, I'm good. Uh, chocolate milk and brushed spaghetti are more my... Come on, off my fingers. They're still cold and squirmy. And so's the maggot. Okay. Oh. Beside me, Alita's all, Give her some chocolate! <laughs> is all oranges <laughs> make a watch first man <laughs> listening more to Gosling than the rest Tina takes Vore to meet her dogs and they're Chris Elliott guys this is Vore huh? he collects maggots near my airport he's staying in the guest house isn't that great 
The dogs bark at Vor. He growls at them. They whimper. Chris Elliott's all, uh, uh. So much for my theory that I'm in a movie called Swedish Chariot Racing in New Zealand. <laughs> Later in Tita's bathroom. How you get that vein in your head? Ugh. Oh, I was stuck by lightning. Uh. Oh, me too. He shows her some zigzag CG on his chest. Touch it if you want. Uh, the maggot tasted good. He moves in for the kiss. Foul tip. Later. Chris Elliott's all. Uh, so who's the serial killer? That serial killer has a name. A name radiant with sweetness and elegance. Vor. <laughs> Chris Elliott's all. Tina befriends a cop and makes him drive her around. <laughs> Tina gets bored with this and smells a guy up some stairs. Then she starts smelling his mail slot. Not a euphemism. A lady opens the door. Honey, make sure Sweet Pea's diapers change before the money shot this time. What the fuck? Oh, sorry, ma'am. My uh, pet troll here just loves mail. Bye. <laughs> Once they're back in the car, Tita loses interest in crime fighting and picks shrooms with boar. Eventually, during a lull, I used to dream about fairies. Talk about a chromosome flaw. There's nothing flawed about that makeup. You look just like me. Ugh. The next day, Chris Elliott's trying to teach his baby to pull a chariot when Vor knocks and comes in. I came to see if I could borrow a saucepan. Why you? The baby starts crying. It had big afternoon plans for the saucepan. Tina gets bored and breaks into someone's house with her cop friend. They find soccer playing on TV. The cops all, oh, I knew it. Those sick bastards. The crib's empty, but Tina smells child porn in a funeral urn. Later, in an interrogation room, Mr. Catamite, we'd like you to watch this camera footage. She plays him some video. Ugh, that's disgusting. Ugh, turn that off. A woman in troll makeup sniffing my bookshelves? Ugh. Oh, wait, that was the wrong footage. Sorry. Okay, watch this. She plays him some more video. Okay, first off, that baby was totally coming onto those goats. Secondly, baby goats are also called kids, so what's the big deal? Come on, it's Sweden. What? Come on! <laughs> Tina sniffs and goes... He's lying. We shot this in Iceland. Look, I had nothing to do with this tape. Aren't those your shoes? A lot of people have black sneakers, monogram, Kenny, parentheses, Swedish child pornographer. Tina gets bored and goes home. Chris Elliott's all. Ugh. Tina, check it out. That Vore guy keeps entering and leaving his house. Sometimes even once a day. What a freak. Vore mashes maggots in a bowl with the back of someone's spoon. Tina puts on a sweater made out of swan feathers and falls asleep reading a book by Liza Minnelli. <laughs> that night, she sees Vor outside her window instead of a fox, so she goes back to sleep. The next day, as Chris Elliott packs the baby into his trunk, oh, sure, this one wins best in show. He drives off. There's a lightning storm, so Tina grows a penis, and she and Vor broke back it while evil church music plays. Only Tina finishes. Afterwards, Vor, who am I? We're trolls. You know, Keon Rush and Warcraft, uh, vote for Trump, uh, spam Rotten Tomatoes, if the Star Wars movie has women in it. Oh, that's bullshit. Oh, oh. Who's your least favorite Avenger? At the same time, they both go, Thor! Oh, wow. 
I knew centaurs were good at canasta, but trolls and airport security, duh, right? <laughs> What's up with the butt scars? Lightning? What? Yeah, since we're more in tune with nature, uh, nature hates us. It's an old legend. Uh, also, the humans cut off our tails. Although in D&D &D and Talisman, they regenerate. Oh, so we're like Shrek. No, he's an ogre. Oh, so we're more like uh, kobolds. No, with the same nipples as owlbears. Uh, yeah. I thought sunlight turns us to stone. Does Gandalf breaks a rock? This is Sweden. Oh, right, yes. Damn, Vor, all through my teens, I was so sure I might be Gith Yankee or a Knoll with a G. Are there more of us? Yes, in Finland. But according to Yakov Shmirnov, you find them by them finding you. Quarantina <laughs> frolic naked in the woods and scream while they swim. Hodor, Hodor, Hodor. Oh, jeez. Nisa. <laughs> then they have rain sex and eat snails. <laughs> Beside me, a Frenchman's all. Ha -ha! Later at dinner while they eat snails, Chris Elliott butters some bread watching them and goes, um... Ugh. Speaking of buttering bread, uh, I was also present for your sex scene in the river. Later at work, <laughs> he's like the stowaway in right? <laughs> Hey, Tina, so far today, all you've caught us are those stolen scratch and sniff books and uh, 50 kilos of blow. Are you feeling okay? She's all, <sighs> later. Hey, Vor, why'd you wait to tell me we're both monsters? We could have been having sex since the movie started. Vengeance is coming. They did experiments on my parents. Fucking. They did experiments on my parents for 19 years. I'm so upset about it, I can barely speak. And they tortured them. I lived in orphanages. It was a hard Ragnarok life. By the way, uh, I helped catch pedophiles that shop at Ikea. Hey, wait a second. My dad's not a troll. He had some explaining to do. Later in the insane asylum. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, I uh, thought you were a lump of cheese. Moldy cheese there. Speaking of which, thanks to you, I spent my entire adolescence thinking I was fugly. But as trolls go, I'm fucking hot. You're not nice. Nurse, she's not being nice. <laughs> Peter goes home, unplugs Chris Elliott's TV, and throws it into the woods. <laughs> it's lie to her, too. I'm going to bed. When I wake up, don't be here. Chris Elliott. Character, chariot race, person, magazine, page, etch-a-sketch person, character. I thought that would be compatible with I was wrong. Uh, okay, you know that was your TV, right? <laughs> Peter gets bored. <laughs> That's how couples are. They angrily throw out their own stuff. <laughs> Own the other. <laughs> Tina gets bored and smells Vor's pillow. Beside me, Tolkien in his brown coat stands up, holds up his pipe, and goes, Interestingly, male trolls smell like fabric softener. Beside him, Gosling stands up and goes, Just a quick heads up, if there's a reboot of Lord of the Rings, I'm only interested in reading for the part of Shelob. Vor <laughs> waits for him to sit down coughing and then enters his trailer. Tina's all, hey, I evicted fuckstick. Why is there tape on the refrigerator door? Did you know the door closes? Uh, sometimes we all need privacy. Oh, right, perfect sense. Got it. <laughs> Four walks out. 
Tita opens the fridge. She finds a box inside. <laughs> inside, it's the baby from Eraserhead. <laughs> Meanwhile, a moose stares at some cops. So Vor breaks into the police car and beats one of the cops to death. <laughs> Wait, what? That was weird, huh, Dingus? Why does Vor hate cops? Later. What the fuck, Vor? You're the ringleader of the pedophiles? Oh. Beside me, Mr. Glass is all classic Norse myth. Also, a box in the fridge is not proper sleeping arrangements for a baby. Oh, God. It's called a hissy fit. Uh, I gave birth to it. Uh, They come out of me constantly, so uh, I sell the human ones. Um... What? They need to suffer as we have suffered. Plus, it's good for the troll babies to be raised by humans. Look how you turned out. You're happy, right? Tina growls at him while he stares at her baffled. <laughs> Tina gets bored and goes outside and eats some worms till she hears an ambulance. When she gets home, Chris Elliott and his wife are all, uh... <laughs> Tina goes and looks at a baby in a crib. I thought she kicked him out. <laughs> It makes no sense. Potholes. <laughs> Why does he work with her at the airport? <laughs> Chris Elliott. Why is it? Oh, because dogs. That makes sense. <laughs> Tina goes and looks at a baby in a crib. It hands her a note. Dear <laughs> Tina, you are not human. Meet me on the ferry. E-R-R. Not or vor. Signed, Lore. I mean, that night on the ferry... Oh, I knew you'd come. You and me, baby. Woo! Lord, I can't. You're evil and possibly dumb. I draw the line at one of those. Well, maybe we'll hang out again someday. Some cops walk up. Or <laughs> Henderson, uh, you're under arrest for taking too much salmon at the buffet on this ferry earlier. <laughs> Thor waits till they handcuff him, then tricks them by jumping overboard, giggling, and drowning. <laughs> The boat horns all whoops. Later, <laughs> <laughs> the insane asylum. Look, Tina, we wanted a kid. Your mother's name was Saint Jorgen. Did my real parents have a name for me? Yes, Riva. It means pretty, so we changed it. Tina moves his pie out of reach and leaves. She goes to a cemetery to eat snow. <laughs> Ed sniffs a box on a porch. When she opens it, she finds Chris Elliott's baby inside. <laughs> He's a terrible father. It hands her a postcard for Finland, so she feeds it a cricket. The end. <laughs> the baby, not the postcard. The end. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Take a leader on. Jarred something loose. Uh, <laughs> but, ugh. Please don't listen to that. I, I wondered what you were going to do with this, Kelly. Well, that seemed uh, like a tough, tough. one. It's yeah. a tough one. Yeah. A little Gosling, a little Mr. Glass. <laughs> a little strong Carab- dad. Yeah, a little maid shows up. 
but uh, all right, yeah. let me go. Let me go first because I'm the one that mandated that we do this movie. Uh, I find this a really difficult watch. I, I I love this movie, but it was really hard to watch for reasons that that we'll talk about. Uh, my over is Neon Demon, which I I love. Uh, Nicholas Winding Refn's Neon Demon as a fable about the nature of beauty, which I think this is as well. Uh, and my under is uh, a pretty canny horror movie called Troll Hunter for how oh. it expresses Nordic mythology, uh, which this does as well. Uh, I like both of those movies quite a lot, and I really liked this. And I'm glad you guys got to see it because I want to talk about it, and I'm curious what you guys think. So, uh, Dingus, you go first and then throw it over to Kelly Wand. All right, my uh, I I quite liked this, uh, and I agree with you that it was a that it it is a difficult watch. Uh, I I but I did watch it a couple of times, um, so my over would be Upstream Color, uh, because many of the filmmaking elements reminded me of the experience of seeing Upstream Color and not knowing what was going on, and also um, Worms. Um, <laughs> All right, that's right. Yeah. I forgot about yeah yeah of course. Yeah. Uh, and under, as Kelly already said, I, I would I would put uh, a racer head under this. I'm not a fan of a racer head. So not even the dinner scene. Come on. I don't right. I don't care for the movie. I'm not a I'm not a huge David Lynch fan aside from uh, the Twin Peaks television series. Um, Straight story. I've never seen that actually. Uh, it's um, for you. But I would put uh, a razor head way under this. Um, but upstream color is just a little bit over this. Yeah, I, I quite liked it. Now you, Kelly. Uh, I really like how unspoilery the title is, and the acting's awesome, and it's Sweden. And me and Tom were talking about uh, that show, the show Kingdom and the Grudge, and like how when something's set in another country, we get really into how you get to see that culture and like the story takes place. Like you don't get to see that otherwise, except in these movies. Uh, and I could, while I was watching, I was visualizing exactly how an American reboot would fucking schmaltz it up. Like, oh my end. god, Kelly Wand, yes, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so we got to cherish these things because they can be easily broken. And then people will go see that and go, ah, oh, I don't want to see the original. Um, Just but... real, real quick, Kelly Wand, before you continue, in reference to what you're saying, <clears throat> this one uh, at the Cannes Film Festival, they have an award with the French title Un Certain Regard, which translates to from a particular... The idea is it's a movie with a particular perspective, and huh. they give this out to distinct movies that have unique perspectives. And uh, at the Cannes Film Festival, Border won that Un Certain Regard award, which gets to what you're saying, Kelly Wand. What an so interesting... What an interesting award, because yeah. you know the Oscars tried to do a oh my god, um, a most popular award, <laughs> uh, which would be <laughs> What's our. that tell you about the Oscars? Which would be our version of uh, a particular perspective, uh, which is the dumbed down version of what you're talking about, Tom. Yeah, that's very dumbed down. Um, All right, so Kelly, yes, an American uh, remake. I could imagine what a nightmare that would be. So you appreciate that this is from a unique, a unique perspective. Continue. Sorry to interrupt. No, no. Well, I'm glad to hear that that it won an award because I I looked it up after I saw it and I look and I read on. It, it, I got the sense it wasn't making a lot of money, so I was kind of bummed for it. Um, well, it's not. Uh, yeah, I think it's probably doing well for. It's a little distributor called Neon. Uh, it's not a big studio, of course. Right. Uh, and they've done. You know, their their big hit was I Tanya. So uh, ah. they also did a Bad Batch, Kelly Wand, and they did a horror movie I love called Revenge. So they do smaller they have a art lot of house. range. Well, they do, yeah, and they do smaller art house movies. This is definitely for them successful. All right, well that's good. 
because the prosthetics took four hours to apply, and I looked at the actress, and she's she's really good looking. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah. She had to she had to add like a lot of weight. Yeah, she had to add weight and four hours of makeup every day. Well, real quick, Kelly, so, one, what's an over and under? Because you're you're touching on stuff oh, that I know we it. want to talk about. <sighs> all right, all right. My over was Troll Hunter, just because mm-hmm. my only complaint with Border um, is that it's maybe a shade not not for Dingus enough for my taste. <laughs> <laughs> you pitched it to me as not for Dingus, and then afterwards, I'm like that's for Dingus. Dingus is gonna love this movie. What are you talking about? Because it ends with a healthy baby being fed. Come on, what is this? Where's the not for Dingus <laughs> babies? Ugh. What is this, the circle adaptation? So uh, I felt it was too uh, heartwarming a little bit, is my okay. complaint. Uh-huh. But, um, but no, it's awesome. I feel dummy. I'm just being comically nitpicky. Uh, it's my overs Troll Hunter, because uh, that, was, that, was, that was more of a breath. Like, I'd never seen anything like Troll Hunter before, and it, was, it, was, um, it just made a big impact on me. Mm-hmm. Like, I really loved a lot of things about Troll Hunter, and it, and it was kind of a little... No, it wasn't dark. Forget that. Am I under a shape of water? Because it's kind of the same story as this, but not as good. Uh, but yeah, I would make it a two, three, two feet through Tina's airport. Sure. So I was kind of watching it like paranoid. Shape of Water is because uh, I, I like that you bring that up, Kelly Wan. Because Shape of Water is even though Guillermo del Toro is uh, Mexican I made Spanish. It. Uh, well, but Shape of Water is a very to my mind, kind of anodyne, Americanized, safe right. version of this yes. story. Because, right. the, the, I mean, part of why I think this is a tough watch, and I don't know if it's just me, I'm sure that Ali Abbasi is aware that this is what he's doing, but one of the reasons this is a tough watch for me is I, the, the makeup and the actors, I just have this really visceral revulsion to to how they look and i don't know if i should feel bad about that i don't know if that makes me superficial um but it it, i just feel so ambivalent especially the first time i saw it when i had no idea what kind of movie i was going to be watching and furthermore had no idea this makeup was involved because i hadn't even seen the poster for the movie the poster shows their faces um so the first time i watched it and, and why i say it's a difficult watch is i just experienced this really deep visceral revulsion while i'm watching these, these characters and shape of water dances around that by making the fish man appropriately yeah. kind of like cool and safe and he's not like horrific um so when i so dingus you said it was a hard watch as well why are you talking about that or something else? Before I get to that, mm-hmm. um, did you have that same feeling when you were watching Under the Skin? Uh, no, well, that's not a romance. Well, well no, because Under yeah. the Skin definitely. I mean, the the that's that's a that's a great counterpart because Under the Skin also is is a lot about you know what what can beauty do? What does it accomplish? And Scarlett Johansson, like I, I, right. Oh, oh, you're talking about the actor dingus. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yes. The actor who actually has a condition. And that's why I looked up the makeup for this. Cause I didn't know if, are these, are these two people really like this? Like the guy in under the skin or was makeup? No, no, that's a very, yeah. I didn't even think of that. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, sure. That's a fair comparison. It's difficult to look at someone like that gentleman and, not have a piece of you hurt i i think uh and under the skin he wasn't there the whole time he played a very specific role in that movie and jonathan glazer i think knew how he would make people feel mm-hmm. but throughout uh border you're looking at a character like that 
so so yes, but basically to answer your question, Dingus, yeah, I kind of felt that way during Under the Skin, sure. Yeah, and I think that's a I think that's a actually a a brave statement to make because uh, I didn't even realize that was a woman at first, and and I think that the movie is kind of playing with that in a way. Um, uh, it's it was difficult to to finally answer your question. Uh, it was difficult to watch partly because of that, uh, partly because I was misinterpreting it for the first bit of the movie. I I I really thought that I, the, the movie was was about something else, um, and I wasn't quite understanding it. Uh, and the first time I watched it, um, I watched it with uh, with our friend Alexandra. Who at the end of it she said, "Well, this is about anti-Semitism," um, uh, and I didn't see that at all. So watching I still it don't again, see it. Um, I, I think it's more about uh, weird sort of gender identity or something. I don't know. It's it's a weird fantasy movie, but it's it it's can just, be used for anything like that. It's, it's difficult time. because the relationships are so fraught. And so abusive and strange, and um, it's just hard for me to parse. I don't know. Uh, it's hard for me to answer that question, Tom. Other than to say that I agree with you that it was hard for me to watch it, even though I really, uh, I was fascinated the entire time. I, I, I just, I couldn't stop. You know, we 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 started watching it. We gave it the the twenty minute rule because uh, you know she and her son had to go to bed, but we couldn't stop watching it. It's just riveting. It's a riveting movie, but it's it's still difficult. Kelly, one, how was it for you watching a, a movie with that where, where basically there are these almost subhuman Neanderthals as your main characters? Uh, I kind of cheated a little bit because while I was watching it, I looked up the actress, and then when I saw ah. what it was makeup, I kind of watched it in a different tone. Oh. Uh, so that was probably a dumb thing to do. But I, I just was like, "What she had? The, what's wrong with her?" Like, because because the makeup was so good, so I wouldn't have done that otherwise if I'd known it was makeup. But I was so certain that it wasn't. I'm like, "Wait, really?" Because then it was before Vor showed up. Like, okay, well, it can, they couldn't have found two got two people with the exact same. Who are that good at actors too? Like that's that good actor, well. yeah, right? Yeah. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah, they are really good. Yeah, and I thought like the same thing as Dingus, where I it, it made me think. There's a book I read last year uh, by William Golding, the Lord of the Flies guy, called uh, The Inheritors, and it's told from the point of view of these Neanderthals, and they like encounter us. But for some, there's like a there's an H.G. Wells quote at the beginning where he's like, the Neanderthal is probably responsible for the ogre myth of like this gross, foul thing. Uh, and like all through the book's told from the point of view of the dumbest Neanderthal, and so every the way think like he thinks when they shoot arrows at him that they're giving him gifts and stuff like they have, they're completely <laughs> nonviolent like the only animals they go they find like a carcass to eat they go oh well there's no blame because something else killed it and then they're, like they're that benign and so they're completely unprepared for humanity and they just get worked and it's really depressing it's and it's really hard to read it's kind of dense and thick to read. Uh, but uh, that's the baggage I brought to this kind of like is just the other and the fact that it was called Border. Um, mm -hmm. I thought it was going to be about, but I didn't think I was kind of with, with where Dingus was, where I thought it was just going to be about a, a, a strange looking woman with a, uh, a gift for. But then when it becomes like a supernatural kind of thing, like, wait, how would she have known? Because she's smelling things that don't give off scent. So either she's, so I thought she was going to turn out to be psychic or something. It was going to be like a dead zone. 
storyline. But I don't, I don't know. It takes a lot to repulse me. <laughs> That's what I wonder too. Is I think you've got a bit of a stronger stomach for the bizarre and the grotesque than, yeah, than even I do. I get do grossed out by that. weird things. By like, oh, like teeth or bones breaking. Or animals getting hurt. I don't like that. Like that's way like if if and none of the animals get hurt in this. So that was kind of good in a way. Part of why it was difficult for me to watch the first time too is I didn't expect uh, because hey, this is a Swedish movie and I'd seen the director's previous movie. I wasn't sure if at some point she was going to like tear someone apart or like I didn't I didn't yeah. I didn't know where this character was going to go. I had no concept what kind of thing he was going. to for well like what what mm. I, that's I, the beauty I, of it yeah. exactly that's exactly kelly wand because without being without the movie just telling you straight up Holding okay this hands. is your sympathetic character this is your protagonist this is who you're going to root for there i didn't have that safe space of knowing right. if this person was going to turn and be something horrible and inhuman mm-hmm. uh or the way she did turn out and become a very caring compassionate character i had no frame of reference for that in the movie and rooting against that happening yeah, well, I just not even knowing. Like, I, I was yeah, willing to go wherever right. the movie wanted me to. And so that that's so, – so I actually consider this a horror movie. Is either of you uh, with me there? Well, Be- uh, the, before, before you uh-huh. get into that, did yep, you like yep. did you like Shelley? Uh, yeah, yeah, I love Shelley. I, I, Shelley's not a movie I'd recommend to many people, but I really liked what uh, Ali Abbasi did with it. Kelly Wan, have you seen Shelley, his first movie? No, is, is it about Percy or Mary? It's or one of those movies. These first names, these movies, oh, stop just using a, a name. That, that makes no. Well, uh, I mean, sometimes it works, like Martin. Uh, the, the cool thing about Shelley is there's no one named Mordecai. Shelley in it for for a long time, so yeah, that you're yeah. wondering what. So, Dingus, you did watch Shelley. Yeah, I, I didn't quite. Uh, I mean, I, I was surprised at how depends on the movie how beautiful it looked. Because it's it is aside from a couple of shorts he did, it is his first full full length feature. Um, but I didn't quite get a lot of it. So the appeal for me of Shelley, I mean, first of all, you talk about posters being spoilers. Anybody who knows movie posters, I think the the poster for Shelley, a yeah. huge spoiler. And I wish I, I imagine I imagine Ali Abbasi had nothing to do with that and was partly marketing the movie. Easily but don't. Yeah. what they're in. What they're invoking in that poster is just uh, yeah I so, don't like that I'm yeah I, I hate that as well yeah, I mean it's a lovely you. poster and I get what they're going for but they also are making it very clear what <laughs> where the movie is going to go so yeah. I hate that um, but the the two things I love about Shelley Ding is even though it's it's a slow burn um, mm-hmm. I, I love the two actresses in it I don't know the Romanian woman's name uh, but she's great the Norwegian actress is a woman named Ellen Dorit Peterson who plays the mother in a movie that I really like that I don't think you guys have seen yet called Thelma so I know Ellen Dorit Peterson mm-hmm. from Thelma and she's uh, she's great in Shelley and then my other favorite thing about Shelley uh, it's a rare well I deeply deeply appreciate when a movie has a last shot that just knocks my socks off and the last shot of Shelley oh my god I I <sighs> I, I loved the last shot of that movie and, and what it uh, did, and uh, it it reminds me in a way of uh, just hereditary for how it's just taking the gloves yeah, off. It really and does, yeah. So, so at any I rate, so his first movie is definitely a horror movie, and you know from the opening frame where he's got this really foreboding horror movie music playing, it's almost overbearing. <laughs> you know you're going to be watching a horror movie. Um, so so this, I don't think so, – so the reason I would call 
border a horror movie is because I think it does play so strongly to a sense of revulsion. And for me, a horror movie is a movie that appeals to, to negative feelings, to fear or anxiety or disgust or revulsion. Um, and I think that's a lot of what is going on in Border, even though ultimately it's a lovely it's a, it's a it's a love story, and it, ultimately I would characterize this as magical realism, which uh, is a genre I really like. But I think it plays so strongly to a natural human revulsion uh, that I would characterize it as also a horror movie. Would you make a distinction between magical realism and fantasy? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Because because uh, both of the places that I usually look to like. Uh, do my little genre riff uh describe it as fantasy and it's oh, interesting it's interesting to me to hear you say magical realism instead and i'd kind of like to hear you say the distinction well for for me fantasy and kelly Wan, tell me if you're with me on here fantasy to me all these days just says like lord of the rings like that kind of stuff right okay. there's a, if it says fantasy there's a dragon somewhere and it tends to be my well, thinking well i i would think that dwarves and trolls kind of uh, it would it would make like maybe a lazier writer say fantasy? Sure, I can see that. I mean, it does play on. Uh, so fantasy, as Tolkien uh, created it, as as we generally know it, is definitely derived from uh, Nordic mythology. A lot of it is, and I think this goes farther back than fantasy into the realm of mythology, which is why I would not call this fantasy. Uh, uh, so. But I don't know about horror. Uh-huh. Like, okay, life's yeah, horrible. Well, I'm not... Okay, here's the thing. I'm uh-huh. not a big... I'm not very passionate about labels, because I think things are what they are. And sometimes, I mean, you, there's so you, genres get fused and, and deconstructed so often in movies like this in so many ways that I think it's... I think you're just trying to pin the butterfly to the... What, cotton or something? If you if you stress the... What, what to call it too much, and just not... Just, I, I don't know. I like to zen this part of it <laughs> for movies, uh, at least, because they're kind of like dreams. Um, magical realism, I would say, is separate fantasy um, in that it's trying to convince you, at least playfully, that it, it could happen. Is that magical realism? Like Gabriel Gar- Garcia Marquez, it's like, it takes place in a real land and there's like things that can be interpreted maybe in a different way like it's the character's vision never mind I'm already well, di- this is why i don't like it no no I, I i'm actually really enjoying this discussion because now i'm thinking about how much and and you said kelly how troll hunter really affected you and uh i really loved that movie i loved it a great deal and one of the reasons i loved it um was because tom told me to watch it and said, do not look at the title of this movie. He actually, he just said, just don't, don't pay attention to the title of the movie. Yeah. Poster, don't advice. pay attention to the title of the movie. Just watch the movie and see what happens in it. He's done that a couple of times. And I've got a couple of people in my life who will do that for me. And I really, really appreciate that. But, um, but while I know what magical realism is, sort of empirically i'm wondering what you guys think of as examples of that and if troll hunter falls into that or if, or if that's fantasy i was more like caught in tom's revulsion equals horror thing because i was like 
your life's terrible, but I don't know if it's trying to scare you. And I think horror tries to try to be scaring you. And I don't know if Revulsion meets that. Well, I, I think of uh, – I mean, and Kelly Wan, to get to your point of it being like pinning butterflies, I, I don't necessarily disagree, but I think it, 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 is, it is a helpful – it can be a helpful context in which to discuss things. You know, what does this remind you of? What – what uh, right, parts of right, your, what does it true. appeal to? Because I, I like horror. I like movies uh, that appeal to negative emotions. Because there's this, you know, this whole sense of being purged of them. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I like how yeah. I, I like a movie that makes me feel something visceral. And this one definitely did. Uh, and it, it does it in the same way that I feel about horror movies, where I feel some anxiety. Mm. Uh, mm. So, so I'm not I'm not trying to limit it, uh, it, you know, even to get to the title, no. uh, so much as explaining like why I like it and what appeals mm. about it to me. Um, and and so Kelly Wand, the the we've talked about this before the uh, the M Night Shyamalan movie, the the visit. I feel is a horror movie because it yes. appeals to the disgust with with old people. And it doesn't. But it's trying me. to scare you too. Yeah, it's trying to frighten. You. It's, it's. I don't think I, mean, I don't think Border's trying to frighten you. Well, no, I don't either, and that's why I'm saying it appeals to disgust. Like, like a horror movie doesn't have to try to frighten you. A horror movie can make you feel unease or it can tap into anxiety. Like a horror movie, uh, it can also be just some splatter gore that taps into disgust. Um, I think people get hung up on – and it sounds like you're being even more limiting than I am uh, – yeah. a horror movie being scary. Like I don't think a horror movie has to be scary. It can also create unease or, or anxiety or disgust or just simple well, discomfort. That- that's a way wider net, though. Or just like a lot of suspense or, movies. Well, it's, or, it's a way wider net, but I would say, Kelly Wand, it has to do with what the storyteller is appealing to in the audience. Right. Yeah. For me, it's, I, for me, okay. it's Dread. I mean, Dread. Dread is another great one, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah here are these characters Dread's you closer. like. Yeah. I don't know about... Because Hereditary... Her, yeah, Hereditary is entirely Dread. Uh, another movie that... Elephant that, Man's not horror, is it? I don't think so because Elephant Man is is very much about humanizing this this horrible like I don't I think in Elephant Man there's a Man, revulsion yeah. there's a revulsion but I think in Elephant Man you feel sorry for him and it's just about how difficult his life was and the whole point of I think David Lynch making Elephant Man is to make you sympathize with this wretched character mm. uh, Border yeah. I I think Ali Abbas wants you to be on edge he wants you to not know whether or not Tina is going to tear apart her roommate right. He wants you yeah. to not. He wants you to feel disgusted when that weird little baby comes out. He wants that reveal for what happens to the neighbor's baby to be shocking. Uh, but then, if it, it doesn't is. happen, it's not horror. But Eraserhead is horror, <laughs> so that kind of does. But she doesn't. She never makes those choices. No, she so doesn't, and that's part of the fact. beauty of the movie. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, that's a really good way to put it. The beauty of the movie. Yeah. So uh, Aaliyah Boss said – I just want to read a, a, a quote here. Uh, what I really like about genre territory – and I expect he would – I don't know, but I, I expect he would freely character uh, allow someone to characterize this, this as a horror movie. Uh, but he says, what I really like about genre territory is that people tend to treat it as entertainment, and that's when people have their guards down. That's a good time and place to uh, talk about politics when people least expect it. Mm-hmm. So it's I think decoy. he's – Exactly, and as a horror movie, it's a decoy. You're thinking something scary is going to happen, and oh my god, Vor is this horrific character. Because I think, I, I think you almost expect, oh, he's he's going to eat babies, and it ends up being like worse yeah. than that even. But yeah. I, I think these are ideas that he knows his audience is getting, and I do think that there's a deep political point, a social point in, in this movie uh, that he hides in a horror movie. 
Um, so do you think? Oh, all right. So can we explore that a little bit, mm-hmm. or do mm-hmm. we do we think it's about immigration, maybe? Or I mean, where are you where are you going with political? Well, so Kelly Wan, have you have you read any of uh, Jean Lindquist's stuff? Because I don't I don't know if it's readily available in English. I I actually I know that Let the Right One In. There's a novel. There's a translation of that. But do you right. know any of his writing? Well, I only read and speak English, so I would have the same problem. Even well, there, there's an English translation of Let the Right One In that might have come out after the movie. Uh, I don't, I don't uh, know if his other stuff There, is there right. is, actually. Okay. And uh, what's awesome is that it, it, it came out when uh, during a time when there were still Barnes & Nobles still open, and I would take my son to them and just sit in the kids' section and read and, uh, and just play with him. And, uh, and I saw Let the Right One In on the shelf over there. In, in the true crime section. <laughs> See, there you go. This is my point. This is what I'm talking about, Tom. <laughs> Even if you know what the label means, no one else, like the the publishers don't necessarily. And, and I, n- I never expect Wikipedia or a publisher or anyone to necessarily agree with how I discuss a movie, or even you guys. Like I, I, I don't, I don't bring it up to get people to agree with me, but yeah. more to explain. Well, I don't like, think I disagree with you. Thought. I disagree with that. Like when I see that, I go, oh, come on, right. right. Well, I also Sounds like Lamb's romance, Martian. I mean, I think Dingus is right on when he says this gets characterized as fantasy because the word troll gets used. Uh, yeah. yeah, that that's why. Yeah, that's well, it's the, got a low body count. That's part of my horror bar. So, what were you, you going with me? when you were asking uh, Kelly about? Oh yeah, the politics. I, read. I hadn't read. I haven't read it. Sorry. I would like to. I don't know if I'd read Let the Right One In right after I saw the movie though, because unless it was, you know, like I felt like I just read it. I could read well, it before I well what it. I wonder is how much of this is John Lindquist and how much of it is Ali Abbasi, because uh-huh. uh, Ali uh-huh. Abbasi, Abbasi, uh, he, he, it sounds like he went and visited with Lindquist and got permission to adapt it, and that afterward, that Lindquist basically gave him his blessing and said, just don't, don't fuck it up. Uh, so I don't know what the core story is, and I don't know how much of it Ali Abbasi wrote, but I think it's important to understand things like, for instance, the sexual ambiguity in Let the Right One In, and how there's Uh, a similar expression of that in this movie, of being deprived of your identity as a child and being confused as you grow up and not not understanding where you fit. But then there's this idea of being the other and being dehumanized uh, by the people with whom you live. And... Uh, Ali Abbasi was born in Iran. He emigrated to Sweden. He went to film school in Denmark. He still has right. an, an Iranian. He's an Iranian. He's an Iranian citizen. And when this movie screened at the Telluride Film Festival, Iran was on the travel ban. Uh, like he had, right, he right. took a risk coming to the country to go to the Telluride Film Festival where this movie was screening at a time when Ashkar Farhadi, another very prominent Iranian filmmaker, decided it wasn't worth the risk. So hmm. I, I think. He is a man who I – I think the political point is – I don't know how much of it is Lindquist and how much of it is Abbasi, but uh, I think there's a lot to unpack here in terms of a story about identity uh, and whether or not you, you fit yeah. in. Yeah. Uh, you know, I didn't even think about that, the, that relation to let the right one in. It's not just deprived of. It's surgically – having right. part of your identity surgically removed. Yep. That whole, and the it's whole, pubescence. Yeah, too. yeah. But they're adults in this. I mean, but they've she's had, never had sex. Well, they've had their their tails removed, which which is part of their identity, and that happens in a way. And let the right one in, and yep. until Tom said that, I didn't even think about it. 
Yeah. It's great. Well, she um, had sex in this. So I, I get the sense that she had with Chris Elliott that, that uh, that's something they've done before because <laughs> she says it hurts. And they do have vaginas. Like uh, So I, I get the sense that when he gets drunk, that's something that, fuck anything. that they've done. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, watching the scene with Vore – uh, which is just like this primal rushing. Yeah. I mean, you get the sense that here's the thing, Kelly yeah. Bond. I don't think she's ever kissed anyone, right. but I think that she's had sex, which is a really sad. Yeah, I think you're right. R- sad revelation, I, I think. And she hasn't enjoyed it. Exactly, Kelly Bond. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it, 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 she has that weird conversation with her quote-unquote dad, where he's like, "Are you are you two sleeping together?" And she's like, "I'm not going to talk to you about that." Right. So I don't know that she's necessarily had sex. Do do we do we have that sense from it? Well, when, well, when, when he hits on her. Yeah, when when yeah. he crawls into bed, it doesn't seem like something horrific that she's time. never experienced before. He's she no. basically just doesn't want to deal with him, and she's just oh, like just it, she's not reacting right. like it's something new to her. Uh, I got and the she sense says from. she says it hurts, so right. that right, that does right. indicate that it's happened before. Right, you're, right, you're, you're yeah. right. But the sex scene's great for what Tom was talking about about the revulsion thing. Because the sex scene, you go, they're pr- it's supposed to be a primal like, oh, I can't wait to fuck kind of thing, and it's look what's happening. <laughs> like they're growing, and he gets pregnant. She has it's like yeah, the whole role reversal is even the position that they're in. It's really uncomfortable and weird, and you don't expect it. And uh, yeah. it's the sex scene I wanted to see on Mork and Mindy, and we and, and actually wow. Kelly Wan. <laughs> So in my mind, I was thinking of uh, <laughs> throwing a dick. Kelly, what were you going to say, Tom? You're a, true, you're a true national treasure. Jonathan Winters comes <laughs> out of the out of board. I, think, I, I don't think she gets him pregnant. Uh, he has the baby before they have sex. Uh, yeah, he says he gets them all the time. Right, right. The the hissits. Uh, yeah. No, I thought that. I was too fascinated to be repulsed. I think was the thing about border. I I so related like, oh, that more to, more to a woman having a period. Than, oh gosh, yeah, ding. Right, yeah, yeah, right. Sure. Periodic, and that see that would be even worse. Human women have it easy. They sh- they should see this movie and uh, come away with. It. Well, just the agony, like you, like I, you think you're watching a transformation scene, like oh god, he's going to turn into an even worse monster, uh, and you don't realize that he's having that weird little baby at that point. Right. Um, but, but you uh, yeah. see, like what Dingus was saying, where he thought he was watching a different kind of movie. Like she she takes her shoes off, she goes outside and in, in the water, and there's a shot of her from behind, and all that's plot points that I didn't realize were those at the time. So I'm like, oh, she just wants to get out of Chris Elliott's house, so she's right. taking right. them. There's even a couple of moments I'm where, looking at a naked human woman. Where you see like a, a like like a stain on the back of her shirt where the tail would be like a, like that it still bleeds. Still, yeah. Yeah. Ew, wow, okay, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I find that immensely disturbing and obvious that She's been in a great deal of pain uh, for a great many years. And it's interesting to hear you say, Tom, that you think that she's never been kissed because uh, I think you're probably on the right track based on her reaction to Vor to his, yeah. when and, he first tries to kiss her. Yeah, yeah, that's more intimate to her. And just how clumsy it is when they actually do kiss uh, in, in yeah. the sex scene. Yeah. Uh, right. Before we move on to the, the more the, the, the like mythology here, which I want to talk about more, I, I want to bring up another political point that I think is inadvertent, um, okay. and only because the, the timing doesn't work out. Uh, but the the whole appropriating 
mythology element involves this idea that that vor steals children and then hands them over to pedophiles exactly changelings and i i don't know about you guys but i watch that and think about children being separated from their parents at the border uh as as a way as a as a clear disincentive for uh immigrants like that's that's the policy of the trump administration this fellow stephen miller it's, it's yeah. clearly his uh, he's he's the founder of this idea that if we make it clear that your children will be stolen, then it will be a disincentive for people to immigrate illegally here. Uh, and just this idea I was watching border and and just this idea of a troll stealing a child has this weird political relevance right now. But that makes they, it better, doesn't it? No, no, I, 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 I mean, yeah, I'm not, I'm not. It's uh, not a criticism at all. I, I think it's, it's inadvertently relevant uh, politically. Because Stephen Miller's doing what Vor's doing. Exactly, right, right. I mean, stealing children is the most horrific thing. Like yeah. before, I said I thought he was going to eat the babies, and that's terrible because it's fantastical. You know, that's a mythological yeah. thing. But right. stealing a child, well, in the fridge. separating yeah. a child from a parent is not fantastical it's horrific because it's a universal thing that we understand how terrible that would be because we all have parents some of us tina is the proof of that like she's she's the his legacy right she's right to be pissed off about just like dude what the it's not good for me or like not only did you fuck the human i'm getting like you're not even you're fucking me too your own kind you idiot (laughs) and 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 bring it and what he does with the babies this you know this statement on human nature, handing them over to pedophiles, that that's uniquely yeah. horrific too. It's... He doesn't make a good case for being a troll to her. <laughs> well, <laughs> he base, he's kind of he's not putting his best foot forward because the changeling thing needs to be massaged a little. And if, you, if pedophilia isn't part of the original myth, <laughs> he added that. Well, that's Vor's thing. That's well, Vor's. Uh, if, if you think about the thing that comes out of him as being unfertilized. Like how would it short. be fer- how would it be how would it then be fertilized i if i don't he, understand he, go ahead yeah. Kelly. no i don't either like he made it sound like he wasn't he didn't have other partners like he's just doing it by himself yeah i don't understand necessarily okay. the the procedural elements of the hissage right. the thing but uh he's yeah it's so, a, a month so it would have to be fertilized before it came out much like a woman having a period and he does have it before he meets her. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. And and like the baby. Child. So the baby she gets in the mail later on is presumably their child. No, no. Oh, I don't think so at all, Dingus. Okay, what do you think? So, uh, I, I'm pretty Finland. sure the implication, because he says that there are others like them that he's not in touch with, and he wishes they would find him, but he knows there's a small band of trolls in Finland, and they reach out to you you don't find them uh so i i think we don't know what happened to vor but it's entirely possible he's dead i think this is the finnish contingency basically bringing her in uh and and giving her not a hisset but a troll child because the hissets are the weird little clay babies the troll child is different and has the tail and is hairy uh so i think she's been given a baby from to, to nurture by other trolls who aren't from Vor's uh, school of thought. Now, I might be wrong about that. My my interpretation is that he survives and she's fertilized him. Um, and that's... And the Fidland postcard's from him? 
the that the I I don't think those two things are necessarily I I don't know. With the baby though, so she he would have had to be from him, wouldn't it? Well, he That's could have baby. he could have found them, or they could have found him, or whatever. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's convoluted. But maybe but, I don't but know. There, I, but there's no reason for them to be able to just send something to her residence. Or he made it to dead. Finland. Well, that that's why I think when he talks about this group, Dingus, they're, they're portrayed as someone mysterious. That you don't find them, they uh, find you. Right. Uh, okay. And I, I think that part of the idea, like I, so I am curious then about the ending. If if this is a movie about ambiguity and identity and feeling like the other and feeling like an outsider, uh, what do we make of how the movie leaves her? Yeah. And I, I don't have an answer for this. I'd be curious what you guys think. Well, she seems happy and unsurprised, and she and no longer in the human world. That's the thing. I was kind of wondering if that was from Vor too, but that he'd made it to Finland, and then I go, no, that's stupid. It's just from Finland, and they're rewarding her because she passed some kind of test that Vor failed. The reason that I would disagree with that, yeah, is is that I think the movie is about her rejecting Vor's point of view. Sure, uh, of, but how does Finland know that? No, no, but what I'm saying is if this was from Vor, if the point – if Ali Abbasi wanted us to think that at the end Vor gave it her their baby, thing. her rejection of Vor's point of view that that they need to get vengeance on human beings uh, I, I think doesn't really get its place in the sun. She no. does a, a 180 pretty quickly if that's the case. So I – But then but, it's but, still – yeah. Well, but the but end she, also does imply, like it's a beautiful shot, the door open on the car and the fox just running freely around it and her padding barefoot in the snow with this kind of dress on, which is this is the first kind of moment that you see her feminized in, in any traditional way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Like I think that's that's a beautiful ending and certainly the way that the bug is a bookend. So there's, there's a, a – a brief right. detour here. There's a John Cassavetti movie called Killing of a Chinese Bookie, which is basically about how weird and impish Ben Gazzara is. And it's a very 70s movie. Uh, and I, I love Killing of a Chinese Bookie uh, for Ben Gazzara. But the arc of that movie, and John Cassavetes knows this, and you can tell on the camera work, is about a character who goes from being unsure where to wipe his, his hand when it's wet because he cares about style and his suit and his presence. Presentation. It's about the arc of that character not knowing where to wipe his hand to just not caring and wiping his hand on his jacket. And that's mm. the whole uh-huh. – you know, Ben Gazzara picks up a drink at the first part of the movie, and he has to shake the moisture off, and he doesn't want to mess up his suit. But in the end, when he's bleeding and presumably going to die, he doesn't care, and he just makes a show of wiping his hand on, on his jacket. I think similarly, Border, her arc is going from picking up a bug and not knowing what to do with it. To picking up a bug and using it for nourishment, to sort of being in tune right. with nature and the cycle of life, uh, to her feeling outside and uncertain and not belonging anywhere, to her finding a place to belong, and that how she acts with this bug kind of represents right. that. Um, and the bug's all what, Tom? What? <laughs> Where's my border? But I'm still not sure what, what to make of... The Finland thing. The Finland thing I'm comfortable with. What I'm not sure to make of is what does this say about identity and should you feel separate if you are separate? Uh, should you... Like the fact that she... Persevere. Persevere. No, I, I think that there's... I, I think that... Be true to yourself. There's a... There's a there are, Whatever that means. I think it's you. a I think it's a spectrum, 
I think that that's what what she's saying. She's saying that just because I'm not joining in with your vengeance plan doesn't mean I'm a human. I can still be this thing as well. I can still be who I am. Uh, and I that's why I think it has to do with more that idea of where we look at, at, at gender identity right now, especially, but in other ways, race and immigration. I mean, it, it, you don't have to be white or black. You don't have to be male or female in today's society as we're learning uh, how people are and how people exist on a spectrum. And what she's saying is, uh, you know, just because I'm not exactly like you doesn't mean I'm one of them. Uh, I can be somewhere else and still show um, compassion and love. And that's why, you know, it, at first when she's with the baby, the, the first baby uh, of one of the three Chris Elliot's and all of them, I agree with you, Kelly, they all look like the same guy to me. Sweet. Um, uh, the, she doesn't quite know what to do and she doesn't quite know what to do when she takes the baby out of the, the crate. Um, but she can learn and she can become who she is. I think, I think that's part of it. So, uh, in the, uh, uh, the play uh, Peer Gint, which is very much about Nordic mythology as well, uh, the the motto that Peer Gint has is uh, to thyself be true, and there's a counterpart where there's the trolls that he fights, and their motto is to thyself be enough. Uh, but there's this whole idea huh. of, of a troll versus a human and how their potential is different, uh, which I just thought of listening to you guys talk about that. Uh, what about a scorpion? How their, how their potential is. Gosling, congratulations on the Oscar. Get out of here. Jesus. Uh, did you think – so uh, we have one writer in her this week. It was, uh, it was our friend David who wrote in last week um, who said that he loved that the main character that she was uh, – that was staying with her wasn't an ass. That they just had they they just each had mundane of silly interests in being together, although they didn't share anything. Um, and I don't know if that's. I mean, he, I think he I think he lives uh, uh, overseas, uh, so maybe he has a different perspective. But I thought that dude was kind of an ass, even though he wasn't an he's, abusive one. Uh, it's interesting to hear David say that he's not, he's not. What do you guys think? Well, he's not abusive of her, yeah, and I think that's important. Like he and he's accepting. It just sucks. Well, he's accepting of how she looks. Like he, you know, she's used to the old lady in the grocery store giving her a stink eye and not knowing what to make of her, and she can just come home and kick up her feet. Uh, and and yeah, it's definitely not an ideal relationship. And he's a bit of a jerk. He's a kept man. Yeah, he's yeah, like, exactly. Uh, what's his name in Breakfast at Tiffany's? Uh, so I, I have a real. Th- so guys, you marry rich old ladies. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, uh, there's a movie called Tully, which you guys should Male see. Male Anna Cole Smith. Uh, and Ron Livingston, I have, I have a disagreement with our friend Chris Markinson, uh about whether or not the movie is sympathetic to or judgmental towards Ron Livingston as Charlize Theron's husband. But to that point, I, I, I think he's uh, ultimately kind of good for her, uh, even though he's a bit of a jerk. remember that Tom thought Bradley Cooper was an awesome boyfriend in Stars. <laughs> <laughs> just want to reiterate that. No, he's just way too functional to be a drunk, uh, I thought. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you're, you're ugly. You right. sort of agree with David. You, you just said that you think that ultimately he's good for her. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. And that, well, I don't know about it. No. Well, he, was, he was immediately unsympathetic to me because because of the dog. He's, 
because as a dog owner, um, I don't think that a woman coming home to her own house should be afraid to enter her own house because of the guy who has these dogs that might. Yeah. Uh, So that that's my prejudice going in. But right. I I think he's laps when we first see that scene, but it's no no. reason I would say he's good for is he 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 normalizes the way she looks like he doesn't react to that. But but yeah, Dingus, you're right. Yeah. You, you know, if, if if your pet is attacking, if a household pet attacks you, and the guy who basically putatively owns the pet doesn't do something about that, right? That's part of that's definitely. Although he is but. reacting too, because when she goes, "How was your day?" and he doesn't react, if a hot girl asks how your day is, like, oh, you know what? That, tell you, oh, what, 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 what. No, no, that, that's not what she. Uh, that's not what he. Uh, she asks. She asks, "What did you get on today?" Basically, like, "What did you accomplish?" I mean, it's, it's, I think it's, you know, this, it's more of a, did you do anything to, with your life today? It's what? not, how was That's your his day? answer? His answer is what? No, <laughs> yeah, he, does, he doesn't. So, uh, so, he, did, so he did anyway, do that. David really enjoyed the first hour. Uh, he felt like the second hour of the, uh, or the, the other half of David. the movie went off. Uh, because he, because he, he, for him, it was, uh, everything on the screen must have had a purpose script. Um, so the whole troll thing, it, the first thing seemed light and, and like ethereal to him. And the second half seemed like now we have to explain what happened. It does get more conventional. <laughs> I feel like I think I'm with David a little bit. I didn't like, I don't know. The dad character bothered me, but I can't figure out why like he seemed a device by the end who just gives exposition and i guess it's exciting twist that he you know oh he has alzheimer's so he's not going to remember anything and that's going to be somehow pertinent it's completely irrelevant um so i guess that's unexpected there is kind of shit at the end there is kind of a psycho like this is what the movie was about kind of feeling to that scene where and we don't know anything about that guy or what he's like yeah even while he's describing that so we don't know what her childhood from that scene and i think that's what we should know from that scene is what was growing up like for her i can't tell from what the dad's saying and how he's acting i think we're supposed to infer that i mean the the role he plays is to demonstrate that she is compassionate that they're that she's not just isolated and alone and living with a jerk out in the woods that she has a, a family and she had a childhood and you know that that she loves her father uh, she moves his pie when he says when he tells her, <laughs> "Yeah, your name went well, pretty." Well, that. It. Well, that, what do you think about that as far as her loving her father because he's not really her father, and then she does this like I have to raise meet my real that. parents thing, but he raised yeah. her and he was he was good to her. Right. Uh, it could have been worse. Could have been worse. In a weird way, it reminds me of the scene in Hannah at the end where she ah. has to confront uh, Eric Banya about, you know, and it's this whole idea of, you know, is your father the one who raised you or the one who fertilized yeah. the egg? Uh, and that's that whole thing that an adopted child has to go through as well right. is, you know, you weren't my real parent. And, and yet that person was your real parent. Um, that's a really, feel- really good comparison, Tom. Because that's something that Alexandra and I talked about as well. It's like, I don't get the whole, you know, your your parents are the people who raised you, and who cares who fertilized the egg? I mean, in in the long run, I mean, why do you have to track them down? If they if they had to give you up, they had to give you up, then 
then pay respect to the people who raised you. I mean, was he responsible for torturing her real parents? Oh, no, 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 no. And that's a point, too, I think. I mean, you guys Uh. say it's exposition, but but we're supposed to learn that he was just a caretaker. He was a janitor, basically, who did a good Mm. thing of taking a child out of there so she didn't have to go through an orphanage. Uh, He was not a torturer. He was not one of the people who ran the experiments. Uh, He didn't tell her the truth. No, but Never. he took care of her. He, he raised he got her. He made sure that she, even that, when she's an adult, he doesn't tell her. Not cool. Well, why not? And when he asked, when he asked about the, when she asked about the tale, he says she got struck by lightning. Then, well, Kelly, one. That's why I think it's an analog to a parent deciding not to tell, tell a child you were adopted, uh, even when they're an adult. Yeah, I, I think I think Tom uh, I think Tom's really onto something here because, uh, because for me, I think that I think that he was a good parent. I mean, he. He saved her. He saved and not her only life. that, but we show that they have a friendly, functional relationship. But the whole yeah. idea, she doesn't want him to have too many cigarettes. He'll steal them anyway. Like He in, screams in, when he sees her. In very... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think he's a little Bradley Cooper-y, but... Uh... <laughs> Uh, why do you think... Uh, what's the deal? So do animals love or hate trolls? They love them, but not the crickets. Bugs don't like them. <laughs> but lightning hates them. Moose and deer like them. Uh, foxes and wolves like them. But dogs hate them. What right. the fuck? So here's, my, dogs, here's my theory Dogs on have that. been tamed human. Like exactly. Dogs are, dogs are do- domesticated right. creatures. Exactly. Wild animals. like Right. I'm, Things I'm that are still yeah. out in the wild are definitely in tune with them and friendly to them. And uh, whereas a domesticated creature who's more in tune with human beings is going to be hostile to a troll. Yeah. Dogs are self-hating Jews. And you know, that's actually an interesting point because what he, what he does, what Bora does when he goes up to the dog is yeah. dominate it. Put it in its place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he does the same thing, thing to Roland, by the way, yeah. with that Donald Trump handshake thing that he does. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's basically just dominating things, uh, and he's kind of along those same lines. But she's in more in tune, in a different way. She does it too, though. Later, to the dogs. Although I, I would assume that Vo, how do you say his name? Vor, 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 V R E. He he got the moose to hang out in the middle of the road. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I knew that. I also, yeah, of course. Um, he, I really loved the scene where she gets mad at him and he's just like staring at her and keeps cocking his head. Like he's not sure he's going to, she's going to attack him, but he's kind of daring her a little, <laughs> he's kind of doing what the kid did to the native American guy, the Covington Tucky. There's a, there's kid. a tear at the end of that scene though, <laughs> Kelly wand. There's like, he, there's, there's a tear a at the end of the scene. Kids, he's yeah. yeah. He's freaked out. Uh, yeah. I, right. I think it has an effect on him. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I love that. He's that, also, uh, that just expression. Awesome. That actor, and watching this a second time, just focusing and knowing it's makeup, because I also, the first time, had no idea. Like, I, yeah. the makeup is so good in this. And actually, I think it – did it win the Academy Award for makeup? Or no, it was nominated. I forgot what won. Um, first man. <laughs> but watching uh, the way that uh, Eva Melander – and Dingus, can you say the actor's name? Ifo, what, what the guy who plays Vor? The guy who plays Vor is, uh, give me just a Melanoff. second. It's like Eero Melanoff, I think. Uh, I'm going to go with Eero Melanoff. Am I close? Yeah, I don't want to right. embarrass myself. It's Eero Melanoff. 
Okay. But uh, him and Eva Melander just watching the way that they act with their eyes. And uh, Vore is a lot more uh, – uh, uh, the, the guy who plays Vore is a lot more physical with the way he moves and tilts his head. Mm. But also that guy just exudes malevolence. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly, Dingus, exactly. Yeah. And you can say it's like a predator sizing up its prey, the way, almost like a snake, the way he's like swaying his body. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, so very much so. Um, he's the Michael B. Jordan Black Panther character of the trolls. But, and one of the... <laughs> one of the wow. <laughs> one of the real uh, payoffs for this uh, of this movie, or one of the real joys for me, is that is that she, she learns to basically say, I'm not going to put up i'm not i'm not going to be your prey i'm standing up i'm doing yeah um and And i'm not going to have you goad me by going oh you're human then but she i know what i am fuck off but uh, but she has a sense of judgment and a sense of 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 will and a sense of of morals um and she applies those in dealing with him and he he essentially has to float away she has a great arc. It's really, uh, I liked. I really liked her character. She's very. Uh, that's why I didn't think it was a horror movie because she she kind of comes out of it okay. It's not like uh, I don't know. Horror movies don't all have to have story. Horror movies don't. Oh, <laughs> she's of age already, Kelly. Wan. Well, you know, I can see. Okay, <laughs> see, but horror movies. It. It's her eighth grade. It's fair eighth, enough. Eighth, fair enough. <laughs> by your standard. Uh, I learned a little Swedish in this movie. The Swedish word for serial killer is. Serial murderer. <laughs> yeah, wasn't that awesome? That was great. <laughs> also, the ugliest thing in this movie is a Swedish ambulance. That patchwork shades of green, like that ambulance that comes out when the little changeling baby looks freaky. Why would you paint an ambulance that color? Do you guys even remember the ambulance? No, I don't. Yeah, because it's spelled like ambulance. Right, exactly. And it's all like green. It's got green different squares uh-huh. on it. Who paints an ambulance like that? That was wretched. That was horrific. It was horrific. And it kind of, uh, unfortunately, um, mars a moment where I'm like, why is there an ambulance here? Right. <laughs> That's their ambulance? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe all it's right, meant so... to evoke nature. I guess so, yeah. Maybe out. No, it's, it's, it's like camouflage. Ambulance. Yeah. Right. It's uh, weird when I'm... anything's red and green because those are the colorblind colors. It's uh, like red to... and green traffic lights. I want to say one more thing that, that David said. Um, cause I didn't even notice this. He said the outro music was nice though. Did disastrous, I'm sorry, disaster piece ish like it follows. So it ended on a nice note for me. <laughs> I like that. A lot of ping pong going on I, in that sense. I don't remember the, uh, the music from it follows and I feel, Crashing. I feel sad about that, but I like that David calls it out and yeah, it I, follows I, I was... wanted to say that. It follows was very, uh, uh, it was very weird music. It was a call out to, I think they're called the Goblins. What's that group, Kelly Wan, that scored a bunch of Dario Argento movies? Goblins? Do you know? Yeah, Goblins. Yeah. Uh, it, it reminds me, I am still mad about this. Do you guys remember the the ending music for Hereditary? No, I remember no. the opening music. So mad at it. I'm so mad. Like I, I like just, it. I try not to think about it. But now that David brought up the end of, uh, of Border, yeah. So Ari Aster decides that he's going to end Hereditary after that ending with, uh, oh shoot, it's not. Is it Joan Baez? The song "Both Sides Now." It's the most oh, random, yeah. stupid joke ever. And I, I've just watched this just devastating horror movie, and he's going to make a joke 
by playing a Joan Baez song, both sides now. I hate that. I'm so mad at that. <laughs> Kelly Wand also, I tried to watch, I started to watch yeah. that Paco Plaza movie that you didn't like so much, Veronica. It's all right. Well, I started watching it, but then I got freaked out because they do that weird, super wide open mouth thing that scares me. Oh, that thing that you said that doesn't scare you because you don't want the ghost to know, and then you confess <laughs> on, right after saying it that, yeah, it scares you a she lot. She does that in Veronica, and I was like, okay, this is a little freaky. I'm going to come back and watch it the you rest of the later. You don't like when the mouths get big. And no, it's scary. It's dumb when the eyes turn black. <laughs> it's freaky. They'll, uh, they'll eat you. Do you remember the weird yeah, music at the, the beginning of um, uh, Funny Games? Oh, yeah, like yeah, the, the, the super yeah, hardcore, yeah, yeah. yeah, of course. The right. metal Nightmarish, yeah. goth, death metal. Yeah. Uh, because I, I don't, I, I think it's just because there's three people, there's people in a car. Uh, the beginning of Shelley made me think of funny games for some reason. Were they listening the to ritual like, of the book, there's like a Swedish band, kid it's, band. It's <laughs> not because that what they were listening to. I'm just because we're talking music. Oh. I just suddenly thought of funny games and and it reminded me of of just of that drive in in the beginning of the, of the movie. Funny. Games. I do have to say, I any time that a horror movie opens with people driving somewhere, I'm like, ugh. That is such a lazy way. So many horror movies, and generally it's a bunch of teenagers and a kid going on vac- kids and oh, yeah, going on a vacation. Yeah, yeah. Horror just... movies that open with someone driving somewhere. Oh, for Pete's Sounds sake! Footage. Give me something. Well, then they're different. being playful. One of them's got a camera, and they always do the same. Stop right. taking the camera off right. me! Oh. It was a prank. Is that, a, is that a trope, Tom? It's totally a trope. Even a classic horror ca- trope. Yeah, cabin. Well, no, no, cabin it's in the glass. woods. How does cabin in the woods begin? They're getting in the car and they're driving out into the cabin. That's uh, the whole thing is a horror movie has well, to relocate characters so they're in a strange space. So it usually has them, hey, let's let's meet them while they're driving there. Kevin uh, Woods opens with Bradley Whitford, Richard Jenkins in Pentagon, I think. And right, but – once the it, comes it, up and then Kristen Connolly's dancing. With the actual the story kind of – Right, yeah. once it introduces the prey, the characters that Well, they got to go. Come right. on, cabin fever, you got to drive to the cabin. <laughs> well, and, and Diggis is right. Bad, you got to drive to the cabin. Shelley does that as well, but in Shelley, you don't understand the relationships amongst the people. Like, you're waiting to figure right. out, wait, what? Who is she to him, and why is he telling her this, and what are they going to see? And what, what? So there's some uncertainty in the beginning of Shelley. They but should yeah, cut yeah, the yeah. driving scenes out of block, because that really slips. <laughs> start the movie when he gets to the hospital. Also, oh, when you talk about classic tropes with glass, you could just call them classic tropes now. Classic Cannonball yeah. Run 2. <laughs> Dingus, what are we going to do next week for a podcast? Oh no, Ooh. what should we do? <laughs> Jeez. Soup. We are not doing soup anymore. No more soup. Oh. No soup for you. Uh, we are doing... Uh, 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 See? Our... Anti-Semitism. <laughs> what? Uh, Nazi? Were you doing soup Nazi? Yes, very good, actually. All right, fine. See? Uh, all right, so gotcha. next week we're doing a three-by-three three, uh, of your favorite grocery store scenes. And we all know what grocery stores are. They're not hardware stores with candy bars. Uh, they are grocery stores. We know what those scenes are. We know what that means. So if you have any ideas about grocery store scenes, please send them into our email address at 3 by 3 at quarter-to-3.com. That's 3x3 at quarter-to-3.com. And please send them in 
uh, by um, next week. What is the date again? Oh, March? let's see the date. Make sure the deadline for sending that to us is March 3rd, midnight Pacific, and we'll include yeah. your, your picks on the air. Oh! <laughs> as long as you get them in by midnight Pacific, we'll be able to get them on. Join us for that. I am Tom Chick. I have been here with Christian Malinsky. My name is Christian Morosky. And Kelly Wand. Does the craft services table count as a grocery store? that we'd be more capable and prepared than lucky. Observation, reflection, faith, and determination. In this way, we may navigate the path as it unfolds before us. All right, and we have, what, eight more recharge cycles to go before we get to Aurigai 6? Is that a question, Yes, sir? Walter, that's a question. That is correct. What sits on the bottom of the cold Arctic Ocean and shakes a nervous wreck? <laughs> oh, ah. There's no flaw in you. Thank you, Dingus. <laughs>